Did you know that the Gardener's Workshop offers seed starting supplies? On our site, you'll only find the equipment that we love and use ourselves. It's all Flower Farmer approved. So visit our online store today at thegardenersworkshop.com. The Gardener's Workshop, turning all thumbs green. Hey friends, welcome back to another Field and Garden podcast. It is your friend, Lisa Mason Ziegler and Friends, today's topic is something I am actually experiencing firsthand again. And, you know, really, we all face it. If you're growing cut flowers um, in a business, you really kind of face this every year, I think, because I don't think I'm the only person out there that is constantly evolving our businesses, which is the key to success, right? Constantly changing, constantly dropping stuff and adding stuff, dropping stuff and adding stuff. And sometimes you're dropping stuff that's working, but you just need a change, you know? Um, And that is what today's chat is all about, is about what to grow next season. (laughs) And this is, I'm recording this at the end of summer. I try to get my big picture idea at this time of the year because we're coming out of being hot, tired, and exhausted, right? August is the month here in the South that almost kills us. Um, and But I'm coming out of it because when he opened the back door in the morning, there's a little bit of not cool, but it's no longer, you know, hot and steamy when you open the door. So you're thinking, oh my goodness, Fall is coming, and that perks you up, right? So I try to consider um, some of these things that I'm going to mention now why it's all fresh in my mind. You know, what I grew, what I didn't grow, what I was missing, what I need to fix, what was the problem all season this year. Those, it's like the first triage. I'm constantly triaging, meaning looking at the problem, And instead of lamenting on what caused the problem or how bad the problem was, I mean, I tend to like kick that mess to the curb and it's like, all right, how do I fix that? What's what's needed here? Um, And I think that's a trait of entrepreneurs, right? But anyway, that's another talk one other day. So before we jump in, if you're new here, so glad you're here Um, This podcast, Field and Garden, when I chose the name of this podcast, I was really thinking, how can I communicate to people that I am a 100% outdoor grower? I basically farm in the middle of the city on a little less than three acres. And in fact, my first decade of growing, because this is my 25th year, I had less than an acre and a quarter. I had 1.17 acres. My home and two buildings were on that property. So I basically had two quarter acre gardens that I squeezed like a lot of flowers out of. We were harvesting four or 5,000 stems of flowers a week back then. Um, And what I really wanted the name of my podcast to communicate is 
You can do this without hoop and greenhouses. I do it. I start all my seeds indoors in a building in what now is a grow room, 10 by 10 room, where I can start, support, and grow about 13,000 seedlings at one time. Um, and I move them through quickly. I'm a soil blocker. I love the method of soil blocking. I use the hand tools and I use the commercial tools. I use them both. They both have great um, places in my business. And I just wanted people to know that if if you can't have greenhouses and hoop houses like I can't because I'm in the middle of the city, you can definitely do this. So I have created my whole method around growing outside. As I like to say, I'm a gardener gone wild. Uh, my garden is just a gigantic outdoor garden that produces, during our high production years, ten to 15,000 stems of flowers a week in season. So friends, definitely doable. So let's get back, and you can learn more about that over at thegardenersworkshop.com. Sorry, y'all. That's my home base. You can learn more about everything over there. So what to grow next season. So when pressed, as I have always been pressed in my, I feel like, in my professional life, because I don't have much space, right? I mean, I... What I, what I want to just start off by saying is I have never been an experimenter, a trialer, meaning someone that's like, oh, that's a beautiful flower. I wonder if that's a good cut. Let's try it. I have never been that person. I've always just followed other people's lead, people that are either researchers at like NC State, where they do so much of our cut flower research through the years under um, Dr. John Dole, or um, it's just a standard in the industry. We know that that's a great cut flower. So I just wanted to say there's nothing wrong with that, but I never had time to do that. I relied on other people sifting out the stuff, and I just wanted to grow those flowers that were known great cut flowers for all those qualities that we look for. So the other thing I wanted to say um, is that I have, so through my 25 years of growing, I started out strictly as selling to commercial customers, meaning florist. Then I started growing, it's selling at farmer's markets. Then I developed two retail um, markets, which was our bouquet subscription drop-off service. And then I started what is called our members only farmer uh, flower market that was here on the farm. Um, and then we added supermarkets. And when we added supermarkets, that only overlapped with farmers markets for one year. Then we dropped farmers markets, sold at farmers markets for 14 years. And then for the next um, eight to 10 years, we sold at supermarkets. So I have sold in a lot of different ways. And what I wanted to say to you is I basically grew the same flowers for everybody. Um, I hear sometimes people say it's a really different lineup of flowers. And that, I'm not denying that, that certainly may be the case if you were selling to event people. Meaning 
um, people that do a lot of weddings and a lot of events, meaning they may be looking for specific colors. That was never my focus. Now, my commercial customers that I sold to, um, we sold to 23 florists through my years um, and to two supermarket chains in addition to having two or three different farmer's markets. I can hardly remember. Anyway, while the florist that I sold to certainly may have used some of my flowers for the weddings they happened to be doing, that was never my focus. My focus was always to grow for them, or I grew what I grew, and this is what they used them for. They used my flowers as their staple go-to flowers for every day of their business. That meant all their funeral work, all their day-to-day arrangements, and then also events and weddings on weekends. Um, So I wanted to come out of the gate with that because so often I hear people, particularly new people just coming in, they're so afraid, right? It's like, oh my gosh, how do you know how to grow what crop in a special color to be sure it actually blooms when this event person that I promised flower to? Well, friends, I will tell you that's called, I mean, really serious crop planting. And that is something that Jenny Love takes you through in her course, Farmer Florist, um, the wedding process. And that really should be the wedding and event process. Jenny's course is all about the business of doing all that. And a good portion of that is crop planting, which we can all benefit from. But if that's your you know, mantra, if that's your business, um, Jenny's online course, which you would find at thegardenersworkshop.com, is amazing, and it has a whole section on doing that. So, back to the story, right? So, I always grew, I grew what grew best in my conditions and I like, I don't like to use the word circumstances, but it is. I mean, it's like I wanted to grow what grew best in what I had. I didn't want to have to tweak and manipulate. And so these are the things that I, and then the, before I say that, the rest of that, I grew the same flowers for everybody. I also want to say that the banner of all of that was to provide consistent with some changing um, of the guard, meaning different flowers available at different times. And that just evolved to, I am a seasonal flower farmer that grows outdoors. So that means I rely heavily on cool flowers to bloom early in the season, season while the warm season tender annuals are being started and planted. And then as they rev up, the cool season stuff falls away. A few kind of keep going or bloom later, like Lysianthus and Triloba, Rudbeckia, and um, some of those. But stuff comes and goes. And then when fall starts, you know, then I start into fall colors of many of the same flowers that I've been growing all summer. And then, of course, you know, you can trick cool season hardy annuals, some of them, to bloom in the fall. So living seasonally, in my outdoor garden creates ever-changing offerings is what I'm trying to say. And so for me, 
So what am I going to grow next season? The first thing I think of is what am I using my flowers for next year, right? So for me, um, we need to grow a consistent, ever-changing, low-volume harvest, which previously was a very high-volume harvest, right? Because now we produce for filming, for pictures, and for our live shopping show that I do on Fridays. You know, I mean, what better way to learn about flowers than to see what I actually cut the day before and show it to you and talk about it, you know? So now, instead of needing five buckets of sunflowers every week, I need, you know, a nice big handful of sunflowers every week. And I'm telling y'all that it is a huge learning curve for me. I feel like I'm a new flower farmer to now produce more different flowers every single week, ever-changing, right, in low volume. So I'm facing what you're facing. So the first thing I think of is, all right, what am I needing these flowers for? If, you know, what you would maybe be saying is, where am I selling these flowers? So let's just look at a couple of those and some things that I would be thinking about. So if I was selling at farmer's markets, again, my first and foremost thought would be, when does the market start? See, some markets, um, particularly if it's a new market, might not start very early in the season because they can't find enough farmers that would have enough product to actually be able to hold a market and have people. You know, the first market of the year is really important. It Customers pick who they're going to buy from subconsciously for the rest of the season. So for you to be at the very first market with a big wowza, you're going to draw people in or your competitor is, and you're never going to get them away from the other person. <laughs> they might look at your stuff, but it's all, this is all subconscious mental stuff, right? So how early? And I remember back, um, you know, I sold at the Williamsburg Farmer's Market for about four years, um, and that's a huge market now, and it's a really high-dollar market, meaning there's a lot of people shop there, so you can sell a lot of product. When that market first started, I was the founding flower vendor there back, I think, in 2002, I think. Um, anyway, the market didn't even start until, like, June 1st or something. Well, the whole point of that was the best marketing is to come in to and open the market where everybody has as much stuff as possible. And so what are you going to have? So when does your market start? If it starts in early spring, you better be going heavy on cool flowers and figuring out what is winter hardy in your zone and you can plant this fall to have the earliest bang for your buck. Then what are you going to be, um, if you're at markets, does that mean you need bouquet mixers, right? And I will tell you here and all of do y'all hear Tucker snorting? He's sound asleep on my bed, not his bed. Um, bouquet ingredients, you know, you want to have stuff to make bouquets out of, you know, and you can learn what those are um, and then grow appropriate amounts of them. Um, and the other thing that I always want to have is if I'm selling at a market, 
wowzers for the booth, meaning what can you put in your booth to draw people in volume, color, brightness. And what I was just getting ready to say is sunflowers have played a key role for me in every way that I sell flowers. So we have learned about starting sunflowers early. You can learn more about that by going to my YouTube channel and going back to like mid-March videos where we're starting the early bird sunflowers. Not only will that pay a play, start a ton if you're selling at the farmer's market, so you'll have them as focal flowers for your bouquets. They fill up a lot of space, y'all, even small. If you grow enough of them, why wouldn't you put eight small ones in a bouquet? But also to have them in your booth, to have them up on a table right at the edge, front corner of your booth for wowzer. These are the things that I'm thinking about. Um, so that's for markets. If I was for florists, you know, we're talking basically the same flowers because both all markets need consistent quality. Consistent meaning every week, week after week. I think that's what wows people at first for me back when farmer's market started. They were like, how? That's what launched my speaking career, actually, is people, the master gardeners in Williamsburg were like, how do you have all these buckets of flowers week after week from the field? And they're perfect and they're beautiful. And do you know what I mean? So these are all things you have to think about. Consistent quality. So florists obviously need that also. So... The easiest way to get in selling commercially is to grow um, less variety, but more of each variety. It's easier to get your foot in the door. It's easier to sell. It's easier to get the hook. It's easier to get in there. <clears throat> and then with florists, you have more options. It's like, all right, you now you don't need to be growing enough different stuff to make bouquets. You could be an all foliage or, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all, you can sell whatever florists use. You don't have to sell everything they use. See what I mean? If foliage, you know, if you are a Dave Dowling follower, you know that Dave teaches about shrubs and wood uh, that are woodies and bulb crops. You can plant stuff and not necessarily provide everything they need. Just fill one of their niches. And of course, because your quality is higher and more um, consistent quality and longer lasting and all those wonderful local stuff, that's your niche. Or what I would be focusing on if I was starting out in business today is I would be focusing on the shoulder seasons, which would be spring early spring to early summer, and then again in the fall. Those are the high demand season. It's the easiest. And that gives you the summer to get ready for fall, to actually have stuff blooming in the fall, and then to be able to plan your fall planting for spring, right? So this is the, I'm not saying, don't get all caught up in the details, y'all. Just be exploring this stuff while it is hot and heavy. And I just want to also say again, y'all, if you are not growing sunflowers every single week, you're not planting them from the very earliest to the very late, 
you're missing out on an enormous cash crop. So friends, these are just some of the guiding principles of when, um, when does the mark, and the other thing I wanted to say, the other consideration that I think about of, in addition to who I'm going to sell to is when it starts. I mean, I mentioned that, but like, for instance, one of the things that I learned, I forget what crop it was. I grew something years ago that I thought, oh my gosh, oh, I know what it was. Tulips. Holy cow. I've been down that tulip rabbit hole for here for me because of the way I grow outdoors, right? No indoor hoop house space. Um, I grew a bunch of tulips one year. Well, guess what? They all bloomed so early for me here. That was the only crop I had. So that meant I had to start my flower farming, selling, harvesting portion of my business actually a couple of months before I was actually ready to have more crops. What does that mean? You got to get all your buckets out. You got to make contact with your customers. But then I didn't have enough stuff to keep it up. So that's another part of the equation. It's like, do I have enough Do I have enough variety of crops to get started? You either need to skip those crops or get more of them, right? Y'all, so those are some of the guiding principles that I kind of follow. And, you know, this is just one of those seize the moment why it's hot and heavy in your mind. What did you absolutely detest this year? Take it off your list for next year because in February, you may have forgotten why. All right, friends, hope we're going to meet again. You can learn more over at thegardenersworkshop.com. You'll, you can connect with all of our free resources. We have a blog over there that you can just deep dive search stuff. We have a stocked online store. We have a full library library of online courses. Um, and I am just so proud to be um, partnering with the instructors, Dave Dowling, Stephen Gretel, Adams, um, Jenny Love, Ellen Frost, um, Amelia Ilo. Y'all, we have a, co- a course. She is the leading expert on collectives. And it's a, about a 90-minute course that you can see what it's all about. What Should you be selling that way? What do you have to prepare for? We also, I mean, there's just so many great courses. Should you be doing workshops? Jenny Love has an amazing um, course on that. So I'm just saying to you, if you want to grow your business, um, there's lots of ways to piggyback on the actual growing part, as well as making the growing part more efficient, scale it, more profitable, and you'll find it all, friends, over at thegardenersworkshop.com. Till we meet again, friends. Ciao.